Thanks, Andrew. Morning, everybody. I hope you're doing well. Um, I'm going to read for us this morning. Uh, We're reading Hebrews 11, just verses 1 to 3, so just a short one this morning. So if you want to get your Bible out or your little scripture journal, um, and I'll read it for us now. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is the word of the Lord. Um, I'm a massive sports fan. And one thing I love is a good sports stadium tour. Does anybody else like a sports stadium tour? Whenever I go traveling around the world, um, one of the things I like to do is to see if there are any sports stadiums close by to where I may be staying or, or just in the city that I'm, I'm in uh, and go and visit that stadium and get a tour around the stadium. Get to walk the, the halls and get to walk the place where the staff uh, walk around as they work there. Uh, to get to go into the changing rooms uh, where the players and the coaches and the staff go on game day, where they get ready to go out onto the pitch, where they come in at halftime. I love doing that. Wherever it is, Old Trafford, the Melbourne Cricket Ground, one that sticks out in my mind more than others is Newlands Stadium in South Africa. It's in Cape Town, uh, and it's a stadium where um, I visited as an 18-year-old on rugby tour with my school. We went to the changing rooms, and the reason it sticks out in my mind is because when you go into the changing rooms at Newlands, all around the changing rooms are just pictures on the wall of famous South African rugby players, of some of the superstars of the Stormers rugby team who play in that stadium. Pictures of them lifting trophies. Pictures of them right in the thick of the battle out on the pitch. And the reason those pictures are there all around that changing room is to inspire the current crop of players. You can imagine it. I could even feel it when I was in the changing rooms that day. Imagine at halftime, you come in to that changing room. You're losing in the game. You're weary. You're burdened. And these pictures are all around there to inspire you, to call you to live up to the success of the past, to show you what's possible, the achievement of others inspiring you to achieve just like them. The reason I say all this is because that's the kind of picture that's conjured up in my mind here when I think of what the writer of the Hebrews is doing here in Hebrews chapter 11. Think of these Jewish Christians in Hebrews. Think of this scene. They're flagging. They're struggling in their faith. We've seen that in chapter 10. Life hasn't been easy for them following Jesus. They found this newfound faith in Jesus. They've trusted in him and What they've had to endure, we've seen in verse 32 to 34, is a hard struggle, suffering, public ridicule. Their houses, their homes have been ransacked. Some of them have been thrown in prison. And it's almost like these Jewish Christians have come into the changing rooms at halftime and they are battered, broken almost, on the edge of throwing the towel in, tempted to just walk away to leave out the back door of the stadium rather than going out there for the second half. 
And the writer of the Hebrews, he, he's given this stirring team talk. He's trying to inspire these Christians to keep going, to hold on to their faith, to not throw it away or shrink back. And chapter 10 in this team talk is, he gives two, two parts to it. The first part that John showed us last week was the warning that what happens if you walk away? What happens if you, you shrink back and slip away? It's not a good picture. The wrath of God is for those who walk away from Jesus Christ, destroyed. There's no hope in that. But there's an encouragement he gives as well. The second half, he encourages them to hold onto their faith because if they do, they will preserve their souls and they will receive the great reward that's promised to them. And here in chapter 11, it's almost like he's come to the point in his team talk and he wants to encourage them further. And he says, look around. Look around this changing room. See the pictures on the wall. Look at the pictures of the past. Look at the men and women of faith who've gone before you. Be inspired by them. Heroes and legends of the faith who've managed it, who've kept going in the face of suffering and struggle, public ridicule, scorn, shame. They've kept running the race. They've preserved, they've persevered, sorry, to the end. And you can do it too. How can you do it? Well, he says it's simple. It's by faith. Trusting in what can't be seen with our physical eyes. Assured of the unseen realities of the future. This is the drumbeat of this amazing passage. By faith, by faith, by faith. It's a chapter that's all about faith. Examples of what faith looks like lived out. And I hope as we set off this journey through Hebrews 11, we're going to do it over three weeks, we're going to be encouraged in our faith, strengthened in our faith, knowing that persevering in faith right to the end is possible. This morning, we're just going to focus on those first three verses, but I want us to almost have like a flyover of this whole chapter as well. Um, we're going to consider what faith really is. And the first thing to say is that faith isn't something that we conjure up on our own. It's not something that I can give to you this morning or anyone else can give to you, in fact. It's not a result of diligent studying or pursuing spiritual things. That's not how we get faith. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9, it tells us, it makes it clear that faith is a gift from God. It's not something we deserve or we earn, or are worthy to have. It's something that God gives us in his grace and his mercy and his kindness. And all we do is open ourselves up to receive that free gift. Faith is crucial to the Christian life. And there are three things we're going to see this morning in these verses, verses one to three, but also as we fly over the whole chapter. And here's the first thing. The foundation of faith. There is a foundation of faith. Look at verses one to three again. One to, one to two, sorry, again. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. 
Faith is being sure of things hoped for in the future. It's the conviction or the proof or the evidence that the spiritual things, spiritual realities that we can't see with our physical eyes, our naked eye, are there and are real and are true. Faith, it's, it's almost like a, a powerful telescope that we might use to see the stars. I know John loves using his telescope sometimes. And you look up at the sky, and there are stars there, but our naked eye can't see them. And what we do is, to see those stars, we look through a powerful telescope, and we can see what's there, even though our, our naked eye couldn't see it in the first instance. And by faith, we see God. By faith, we know he's there working in the lives of his people and working through his people in this world. On the most basic of levels, faith is believing God exists, that he's real, that he's there. We can't see God. None of us can. He's an invisible being. But just because he's invisible doesn't mean that he doesn't exist and that he isn't there If we're going to believe in God and in his existence, then we need God to reveal himself to us. And the primary way that God does that is through his word, speaking to us. It's always been the way. Remember Hebrews chapter 1, the start of this letter. Here's what the writer said. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Faith that we see in these heroes of old as we look around this changing room at the pictures in the wall, it was a faith that was founded on God's word. God revealing himself to these people, his plans, his purposes, through his chosen messengers, the prophets. And then God calling them to trust him and his word. The foundation of faith has always been receiving and believing and trusting God's word believing what he says to be the truth. The Christian faith, it isn't blind faith or optimism. It isn't just saying, well, I'm going to hope things are going to turn out all right in the end. It's not fantasy, as some people think, making things up which aren't true. It's it's not a case of determination either. Just saying through gritted teeth, well, I'm going to believe this despite all the evidence. No, no. The foundation of Christian faith is taking God at his word, trusting and believing what he he reveals about himself, about us, about the world that he has created. Trusting and believing that he's always faithful, that he will always keep his promises. And in doing that, in trusting God, in putting our faith in him, we have this settled confidence This surety in life. Faith doesn't depend on our circumstances for security or our peace or our joy in life. Faith simply trusts in God and his word. And verse 3 tells us that as we live by faith in God and his word, we actually see and experience the invisible God in the visible world he has created. Look at what it says in verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Faith looks at this visible world and sees the invisible God behind it all. The one who created it, 
who spoke in Genesis 1 in the very beginning, let there be light. And there was light. And the writer says, we understand where this world came from, where we, we understand where we came from by faith, by trusting God and his word. I'll never forget a time when Jane and I uh, went to South Africa together, and this was after rugby tour, she wasn't on rugby tour with me, and uh, we stood at Cape Point, which is the most kind of southerly tip, it's on a peninsula out at the bottom, right at the base of South Africa, and you stand there, and it's just ocean all around you. It's amazing, incredible, as far as you can see, just the ocean. And I remember standing there and just being awestruck, being filled with wonder, it made me feel so incredibly small and insignificant to stand there, thinking, what would it be like if I was out there stranded at sea? Just, you wouldn't even be able to see me out there. So vast was the ocean. But as I looked, my faith in God allowed me to see the invisible God in the visible beauty of creation. I found myself going to God's word in that moment, to Isaiah 40, and thinking about the words, God having measured out the waters of the seas in the hollow of his hand. Isn't that incredible? And my heart was stirred in that moment to worship the all-powerful creator of the heavens and the earth. I found myself praising him with my lips at that time. And I wonder what does it for you? Maybe it's a vast mountain range. Maybe it's wildlife and birds Maybe it's the miracle of new life as you look at a newborn baby. Maybe it's the stars and the galaxies. Faith looks at this visible world and we have the eyes by faith to see the invisible God, his beauty, his glory, his majesty in this created world. Faith helps us to be sure, just like the writer of Psalm 147, that it's God who determines the number of the stars. That it's God who gives to all of them their names. And it's by faith, as we look at the wonder of creation and say along with the psalmist, filled with hearts that rejoice and praise God, great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Our faith is founded in the word of God. And if you're a Christian this morning, you know that God is the all-powerful creator of the heavens and the earth, no matter what Richard Dawkins or anyone else says. None of us were there to see the world created in the beginning. None of these people listed in Hebrews 11 were either. But we, like them, trust God and his word. Faith gives us the conviction, the assurance that before God spoke, there was nothing. But after God spoke, there was all things. This world the universe teeming with life and beauty and glory. And so it's by faith that we know that if God promises by his word that one day he's going to restore his creation to the way things were in the beginning, that perfect world that we see in Genesis 1, that it will be restored again, that sin and death and brokenness and injustice and tragedies like what we've heard of this morning as Andrew has talked about, all of those things, God promises will be no more. 
And if he promises it, then we know. We can have full assurance and confidence that he will do exactly what he says. If he was powerful enough to create the world from nothing in the beginning, then he is certainly powerful enough to make this world new again. The Christian faith isn't a blind leap into the dark, but it's banking our lives in the eternal creator and Lord of the universe, trusting and depending on his word and his promises, knowing that he's the one who cannot lie, as it says in Hebrews 6, verse 18, knowing that he is the one who's always faithful in keeping his promises, as the writer said in chapter 10, verse 23, the, foundation, the foundations of a life of faith are built upon God's word. And so, as Christians, really, it makes sense that our faith would be strengthened and grow and become more solid as we read and meditate on God's word. We grow in our faith and become more solid in our faith as we feed on the truth of God's word. We mature as faithful followers of Jesus as we listen to the teaching of God's word as we wrestle with truth together in our missional community or in our core groups, as we read this book, we ask God to speak to us through it. We ask that God by his spirit would reveal himself more and more to us. If you're a Christian this morning, build your life on the truth of God's word. If it's not something that you do regularly, I would encourage you to find a way, make it a priority to read God's word every day. Believe what you read in this book. Search the scriptures. Test everything you hear. Even the things that you hear preached at the front here on Sunday, test them by this book. This is the only solid foundation for faith. And if you're someone who wouldn't call yourself a Christian this morning, you're listening in, are you searching for truth in this noisy world? Are you looking for something solid to trust in? Here is the truth you are after, contained in the pages of the Bible. Why not read God's word? Ask God to reveal himself to you as you read it, to speak to you, to open your eyes to the truth. Ask him to give you the faith to believe that it's the truth. Why not start in the gospels, in the life of Jesus Christ, Ask someone you know who is a Christian maybe to, to read it with you to help you understand it together. Faith in God begins by hearing and receiving his word. But faith in God means being changed by his word. So let's look secondly at the fruitfulness of faith. The fruitfulness of faith. I said in the beginning that faith at the most basic level is believing that God exists. But that doesn't really go far enough because I know loads of people who believe that God maybe does exist, yes. They believe that he's maybe out there somewhere. There's a higher power. But believing in God, it, it, it makes zero difference to their lives. See, it's not enough just to hear God's word and to believe it in your mind. By faith, we receive God's word and by faith, we are transformed by his word. This is why the Christian life is one of repentance and faith. Faith, trusting in God's word and his ways, that's what it is. But in order to do that, that means we must turn away from our own ways, trusting in our own ways. 
That's what repentance is. It's turning from the way we are going in life, trusting our own ways and turning to God and his ways. That's repentance and faith. Because faith in God completely changes the course and direction and purpose of our lives. It completely transforms us. Faith isn't just giving this mental assent to God. We can't just say that we live by faith and then go and live in the way that we want to live. We have to act on God's word. Faith is about obeying God's word and living it out. The Bible in the book of James, it says that faith without works is dead. Faith that doesn't change us is no faith at all. The whole of our lives should be shaped and directed and dominated and inspired by the truth and the reality of God's word. That's what we see of these people in Hebrews 11. Now, it's really important to know the pictures that we see around this changing room are not like the pictures I saw around Newland's changing room. They're not of, of legends because there's anything special in and of in these people. Nothing special or extraordinary in and of themselves. But what makes them heroes, what makes them people that the writer says to look up to, to look to, is their faith. They are ordinary people who've put their faith in an extraordinary God. The same God that you and I are called to put our faith in today. And their faith completely transforms their lives. We're going to see this over the next few weeks. It made them do radical things, things the world considered foolish, crazy. We're going to see people who uprooted their whole family and left their culture and home to move to a foreign land. People who were willing to give up wealth and comfort to endure a life of suffering and struggle and hardship. People who did things that made the world look at them and laugh and mock them and pity them even. People who were willing to give up everything. Why? Because of their faith. They were trusting God and his word. They had an assurance of things hoped for and a conviction of things not seen. We're going to see these people, their faith wasn't something which affected the way they lived just on one day of the week. Their faith wasn't just something that they compartmentalized with everything else they had going on in life. Their faith wasn't something which changed depending on who they were speaking to and whether that person agreed with their values and views. Their faith wasn't something they kept in private. Their faith made them publicly different in this world. Their faith changed everything about them. Everything it impacted the decisions they made. It shaped their goals and their priorities and their perspectives in life. It, it directed how they spent their money, the careers they pursued, the relationships they made. Their faith was central to who they were and how they lived. Because there was an unseen reality which was more important to them than anything else in life. It was the guiding principle of their lives. And if you're a Christian this morning, I want to ask, I want these questions to be ringing in your ears over these next few weeks as we go through this chapter. Is my faith a fruitful one? 
Does my faith in God show itself in all areas and aspects of my life? Has my life been transformed by faith in God and his word? And is my life continually, every day, being transformed as I live by faith? Our faith should spill over into every part of our lives. Our faith should be an active one, a living one, a fruitful one. It will make us different. It's inevitable. Publicly believing in the realities of heaven and hell will make us different. Publicly believing in praying to a God that we cannot see will make us different. Publicly believing that biblical marriage is between one man and one woman, that will make us different. Publicly believing that it's worth making sacrifices in life to honor and glorify God, that will make us different from this world. And the reality is there are no Christian chameleons. You know what a chameleon is? They're like a lizard that changes color to blend in with its background to protect itself from predators. There are no Christian chameleons. That's what the Hebrew Christians were being tempted to do, to change, to to be like the world around them, to blend in, to protect themselves. That's not living by faith. Chapter 10 says, doing that, shrinking back, is not what pleases God. It's faith which endures and perseveres. That's what pleases God. Faith that keeps going, keeps trusting despite hardships and struggle. That's what it says in in verse 2. The people of old, they received their commendation. How? By faith. And we'll go on to see in verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Impossible. The writer says to these Jewish Christians, don't you see? You look back at these people of old in the Old Testament, the way they used to live, and the way the people used to live was a way that pleased God. And how did they live? They lived by faith. The same way that you are called to live too. Faith founded on the truth of God's word and faith which shapes and directs every aspect of our lives. The foundation of our faith, the fruitfulness of our faith. And then thirdly and finally, let's look at the focus of our faith. The focus of our faith. Come back with me to Hebrews 1. I mentioned it earlier, the start of this letter, where the writer says these words, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. As we said already, the prophets spoke God's word to the people. And the message they delivered was always focused around God's gospel promise. His promise to send a savior into this world to rescue and redeem his people. A savior who would reverse the effects of the fall we see in Genesis 3. A savior who would rescue God's people from their sins who would offer the way for them to be brought back into relationship with God forever again. And this gospel promise, we see it flow throughout the pages of the Old Testament. Old Testament history centers around this gospel promise. The people of the Old Testament, God called them to put their faith in his gospel promise. To put their faith, to trust that he would stay true to his word and that he would send a savior, his promised Messiah. 
And these men and women we read about in Hebrews 11, they died never seeing that promise fulfilled. They died before the arrival of God's promised Savior. (laughs) But it didn't matter. It didn't make any difference because what mattered was their faith. Faith meaning that they had the assurance of things hoped for. They had the conviction of things not seen. See, the people of old, they lived by faith that God would send his promised Savior, that his promised King would come. And the writer is saying, don't you see, it's no different for us. We too live by faith, faith in God's gospel promise. Not that a Savior will come, but that a Savior has come in the person of Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says in the next verses in Hebrews 1. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the power of his word. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus has always been and will always be the focus of the Christian faith. He's always been the one we're called to put our faith in, our hope in. The faith of these great men and women of old was focused on Jesus, the promised Savior, and it's no different for us. We look to God's promised Savior, Jesus Christ, too. The one who the writer will go on to say in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, is the founder and perfecter of our faith. It's by faith in his perfect life and death and resurrection that we are saved, that we are rescued from our sins forever, that our hearts are cleansed. It's through faith in Jesus that we have full and direct access to God in heaven, full assurance of our faith. And so the call today is to fix our eyes on Jesus the founder and the perfecter of our faith. The one who guarantees that for all who put their faith in him, when our lives in this earth come to an end, when our race is finally run, we will receive a great reward. The reward of heaven, a better and an abiding possession. Faith assures us of our heavenly reward the glory, the joy, the rest for all eternity. Faith looks up and out to the promise of Jesus Christ, the one that God sent into this world to rescue his people. Knowing that just as Jesus Christ was promised once to come into the world, to die on the cross and to rise to life again, the promise is that Jesus Christ will one day return. And we know that if God is faithful to his promise, which he always is, then Jesus Christ will return. There is a day that he is coming again. And so until that day, we fix our eyes on him. We live by faith. If you're not a Christian this morning, well, faith is born looking at Jesus Christ, focusing on him. That's how faith is given to us. God, by his grace, pours out his love and his grace on us 
through his son, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross, through his resurrection to life again. And it's through him, through trusting in Jesus, that we can have full confidence and assurance about our future, about the lives that we live, knowing where we are headed, knowing that death is not the end, but it's only the beginning, it's only the beginning of life which lasts forever and eternity. This is what you can have today. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. If you repent and put your faith in Jesus Christ, turn from the way that you are going away from God and turn to him, his ways, his word. Believe in him. Accept the truth of God's word. Receive it with joy and gladness in your heart today and put your hope and your trust in Jesus. Let me pray for us now. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how you reveal yourself to us through your word. That by your spirit, Lord, you help us to understand who you are, who we are in relation to you, how we come to you. Lord, we thank you that you give us the gift of faith. Faith which focuses on the promises that you've made to us in Jesus Christ. The promise that his death and resurrection is enough, that our salvation is secure. And faith which assures us that just as Jesus Christ came into the world before, that Jesus Christ will one day return to take his people to be with him forever. Lord, we pray that you would stir our faith today encourage us, strengthen our faith, Lord. It's not something that we can do ourselves. We cannot conjure this up for ourselves, Lord. It's something you give to us. And so we ask, Lord, that you would pour out your, uh, your love and your, uh, your grace on us again, Lord, and stir our faith again today. And I pray for anyone listening today, Lord, who doesn't yet uh, believe, hasn't yet put their trust and their faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that today, that they would understand for the first time maybe the life that you offered them in Jesus, the assurance that they can have about the things that we cannot see, but that are there and are real and are true. Lord, the conviction about the future and what, Lord, you will do for all those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ the reward, the great reward that awaits all those who live a faithful life of obedience to you. So Lord, I pray that you'll work in our hearts, open our blind eyes, and Lord, that we will live lives that are willing to be different, Lord, because we know that it's worth it, so worth it, um, Lord, you work in us, please, to make us live those lives. We cannot do that on our own. Lord, please help us uh, to see that there is uh, a great eternal inheritance that awaits those who put their faith in you. Amen.